This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. We're taking a break from guests this week as we head back to the Reddit Public Relations page for some thought-provoking questions around public relations. We like to do this from time to time so I can share my perspective on a variety of topics there and even get some conversation started over on our social media pages. And while we're mentioning that, we urge you to check out us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, get involved in those conversations there. We like to post things. We post all of our episodes over to those pages, links to those episodes over to those pages. Um, but we also encourage you to share stuff on those pages. You know, that's why we do this every week is to get conversations started, to share knowledge, to maybe to share uh, uh, tips on how we do things or, or even perspectives on things that we see that we like, don't like, maybe have a better idea for. That, that's what public relations is all about is figuring out ways to tell our story and tell it better each time we try to do it. So get involved on those pages, drop us a comment, let us know how we're doing. We picked out some fun questions from the Reddit subthread this week, so let's get right to it. All right, question number one. Your busy CEO doesn't have a high-resolution headshot. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Am I the only one in this pet peeve, writes Kay Sharona uh, over on Reddit. Uh, Quick project, significant announcement, getting ink should be a no-brainer. Very little time for prep. You assemble the materials, and the headshot you asked for is 200 kilobytes, a photo used for social media. Very tiny. You ask for a larger version, they send you the same photo. Oh, boy, this is going down a bad road. <laughs> By the way, if I, I didn't mention it at the top here, but I never pre-read these questions. I always read them out and give my... Uh, my spontaneous reaction to these. So the question this person asks is, do you get, ask them to get a photographer to get a photo taken or try to get by with a low resolution image? No, it's never going to happen. Uh, these days I feel like a, any announcement without some kind of image available, especially a headshot, is going to earn less coverage than one with a good photo. You're absolutely correct. Every release you send out, you should pull out every stop you can to provide some kind of image, even if, it, if that's a headshot. That is the baseline, what you, should, what you should be providing, and a high-res one at that. And really, even a, a photo that's taken on um, a, a mobile device, an iPhone or whatever, whatever phone you have in your pocket, these cameras are really good. If you take a high-res shot on a phone, that is many times going to be enough. Now, it's not going to be enough for a, a you know a glossy magazine style uh, uh, piece. It, it it may not be enough for a, a a full page newspaper. But when you're talking about you know a photo that goes alongside like one third of a page in a newspaper, it might be enough. And it it most times you know I could be proven wrong here, but most times it's probably going to be enough. Um, the question is, will they print the photo that you actually give them, right? And some will, some won't. All really depends uh, on the rules of the publication that you're sending it to. But the but the rule here for the public relations person is always, always, always send out some kind of artwork with your release. If you're just sending out a good old text release, um, you're not doing your job. 
you've got to send out some kind of an image. And and the more interesting the image, the better, right? It should call, it should point back to something that you're mentioning in the release. Um, certainly the headshot of the person who's quoted in the release, absolute baseline. Um, but maybe a secondary image, um, maybe a piece of video. And I've got to tell you what I do is I... Um, sometimes I will attach a photo, um, but more often than not, I will load things into a Google Drive or a Dropbox or whatever, and I will call out in the release, photo and video or whatever you got, your logo, anything, available at link. And I will point people to that that Dropbox, that Google Drive, that whatever that is. Um, so I'm not jamming up their inbox with... Uh, an email that's got a lot of attachments in it. Um, attachments are can be the kiss of death in public relations. Um, you never know what kind of rules are set up in the email servers of the outlets that you're sending to, right? I recall at one point I was told that the New York Times email server would um, reject any email that had all caps in the subject line. So you can have all these kinds of arbitrary rules that are set up that are, gonna, that are going to um, completely implode your best efforts to get your message out. So um, don't, don't attach things. I, I wouldn't attach things unless you've worked with the reporter or worked with the outlet. You know, if you're sending it cold, don't attach. If you know you're sending it to Joe over at XYZ newspaper and Joe likes to get attachments, that's fine. No problem. Um, otherwise, I just load all that stuff into a Google Drive or Dropbox or whatever, and I send people a link. That way, it's all text. They can click on that link. They can, they can drill down. And then you can put those super high-res images or those longer videos. Um, even a one-minute video clip is a big file. Um, you can put it all in there, and then they can pull it down on their end. I've done that with TV. I've sent... And it's been used, uh, and I'm sure you had the same, uh, the same reaction. Um, I've put video clips into a Google Drive, sent it over to TV desks, they download it on their end, and they use it on their air. And these are files that I've shot on my iPhone at high res. Um, they, they will use it if it's done properly and if it's done in a way that provides value to them. And I think that's where it all comes back to, is including a high, whether it's a high-resolution headshot or any other kind of artwork, it's providing value to the information, complementary value to the information that you're sending them that inspires them to go, yes, I can use this because it's got all the stuff that I need. And that really is the job of, of a PR person, is not just to spread the message of your client, but to make sure you're providing value to the outlet that you're sending it to, to encourage them to tell the story that you're asking them to tell. Great question. All right, question number two here. Never be rude to unknown callers. This is posted by Brianna W. over on Reddit. Uh, and she writes, the most embarrassing thing happened to me today so far in my very brief career as an account coordinator. I have scam callers blowing up my phone every day. Oh, boy, who doesn't? Uh, and I finally answered very aggressively, demanding to know who it was. Turns out it was a reporter I have been chasing, oh, no, since November, who hasn't published since she interviewed our clients a month ago. At my job, we very rarely rely on phone pitching. I felt, anyway, I felt so bad I had to profusely apologize for gritting her so rudely on the phone. Super embarrassed, although she was very pleasant about it, confirmed she was planning to run the story, and asked for a few visual assets. Oh, there you go. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. So this this is a fun story that that I'm I'm glad has a positive, uh, happy ending. Uh, it makes me think of back to my training when I was in a, a New York City newsroom. Um, and I was a desk assistant, my first job out of college. Um, and, and here you are working, here I am working in a, in a New York City newsroom. I'm like, wow, this is, this is the first step that, I, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be, right? Ultimately, I wanted to be a reporter, blah, 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 on and on. But I've taken the first step. I'm in a New York City newsroom. This is awesome. One of the jobs that, sadly, desk assistants get tasked with in a, any newsroom is answering the phone when it rings, Right. Um, and they are, it's implied at least if they're not told specifically that they are the first line of defense against the busy editors, the busy reporters, the busy news anchors, the busy other people who are doing the job of making the news product. Right. Um, and, and desk assistants who are trained poorly are taught to be rude to the people who call up. Now, don't get me wrong. There are cranks that call all the time. How come you're not running this story or, you know, the latest conspiracy theory or whatever that is? Um, that's never an excuse to be rude to someone who you don't know who's on the other end of the line the, the minute you, um, you call in. Um, to the point where, you know, here I am 25 years down the line as a, as a public relations person and I call um, newsrooms and I, you know, get desk assistants on the phone all the time. And I am as polite as I can be, um, but every once in a while, and, and most of them, very nice as well. Um, but every once in a while, you run into that personality who just thinks that they need to be mean in order to somehow assert their, uh, their position uh, and do the job that they think they're supposed to do, which is keep you from talking to anybody else in the newsroom. Um, it's, it's really, um, uh, short-sighted of them to do that. And it, and it belies poor training. Whoever trained them, trained them really badly and set them on the wrong path, I think, uh, of how to behave in a newsroom. Um, and this question, um, points that out. You never know who's on the other end of that line. You can't start out from a point of negativity. You can't start out from a point of no. You've got to start out from yes. And based on the information that's being relayed to you over the, over the phone, um, you can then migrate to no if you need to. <laughs> so, so I'm glad that this, uh, this person's experience turned out uh, positively. Um, but it's a, it's a terrific um, call out to how you need to behave when you're talking uh, over the phone or even on email to someone who you don't know. Um, Always be polite. Always be kind. Uh, it costs you nothing. And the worst thing that happens is that it, it costs you an extra 30, 45 seconds of your day to figure out, oh, wow, this person isn't, isn't who I need to talk to. This person has got some other kind of agenda. This person is not bringing value to the newsroom. This person is not bringing value to me as the PR person. Um, I need to jettison this as quickly and as politely as I possibly can. Um, great experience and, and a great question. Question number three 
master's degree in public relations. Uh, and let's click through to this topic. It's just loading here in the computer. All right, this is posted. Um, person doesn't sign their name here, but they, they ask, my wife is interested in pursuing a master's degree in public relations. She scoped out some different universities, maybe settling on one program. Uh, looks pretty incredible, comes with an emphasis in strategic communications. This goes on. Let me, let me breeze through this here. Uh, programs run from fifty dollars to $90,000. Without knowing a lot about the field and its education requirements or benefits, is there an ROI on the cost of the graduate degree? Um, they go on to talk a little bit about their background, and it seems like this person has uh, a bachelor's degree already, uh, with an emphasis in public relations, worked at a small firm, uh, worked at a t uh, tech PR firm recently. Um, they're now looking to uh, join a relatively new lifestyle PR firm and has already been hired. And so this person is already working um, at, a, at a decent salary at a lifestyle PR firm. And she has, she has nine years as a public relations professional. Um, my first question is, you've got probably got more training than you're going to get in a classroom. What the heck do you need a master's degree for? And I'm a fan of, of education, and I'm a fan of graduate education if you need it. Um, if you want to be a doctor, obviously. <laughs> if you want to be an engineer. If you want to build you know, the, the Mars rover uh, uh, probe. If, if you have some kind of need for a specialized, advanced degree... You should absolutely pursue that because if that's what's required, I don't think PR is one of those fields. Um, I have a bachelor's degree. I have a BA in English. And anybody who saw Avenue Q knows uh, the, the Broadway musical, uh, knows what the first line of that show is. Um, I don't think you need a master's degree. I don't think you need a master's degree in public relations to be successful in public relations. Um, I am living proof of that. I'm not saying that I'm so amazingly successful, but, you know, I... I I graduated college 30 years ago, and uh, I've, I don't have an advanced degree, and I've been, uh, you know, on both sides of the news desk. Um, I, I don't think you need that advanced degree. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't go do it if you don't want to do it, because some people just love being in the classroom, and that's great. Um, I don't think you should go into debt to do it, and this goes over to another philosophy I have about finance and, and another podcast that I did with a friend of mine. Um, long story short, you should not be borrowing massive amounts of money um, to get a college education and especially to get advanced degrees um, that are, quote unquote, unnecessary, right? In other words, they're not essential for what you're doing. Um, if you need a, a, a master's degree or a PhD because you're going in a very specific field, that's a different conversation. Um, I don't think public relations is one of those. So I would say pass up on the master's degree. You've already got more education and more on-the-job experience than you could possibly get in a classroom. Um, just keep pursuing the, the, uh, the job. Uh, I, I think you're doing a, a terrific job. Question number four, what happens next after you publish a press release? So I'm new to this, they write. Uh, what happens next when you send out your press release? I sent it out through a newswire. It says I have 253 published. And a lot of other analytics. Will someone please explain those to me? Um, let's pass by whatever specific platform they're working on. Um, I'm not a huge fan of sending news releases through paid services. Uh, and here's the simple reason why 
I don't think reporters pay a whole lot of attention to mass distributed news releases. Um, now, I'm not saying that news releases aren't valuable. In fact, I th we talked with Michelle Garrett last week. Um, I think news releases are valuable. They're especially valuable uh, as an exercise to get all of the specific language and the topics uh, and the messages down on a piece of paper in a coherent sentence so every can, everybody can agree on what we are saying. So I think news releases have value uh, as that. I also think news releases um, do have value to communicate a message um, and to get it out to, uh, to a large group of people quickly. Um, and, and they can get picked up, um, and they can especially be effective if you're, if you're sending it to... There are specific types of, of outlets, and I'm thinking about smaller, smaller markets, um, that have more of a habit of publishing information that comes directly from a news release, you know, small town papers, hometown papers, community papers, uh, especially like community blogs and things like that. You're thinking about the, what we otherwise refer to as like the weekly papers, at least we do in, in the New York city area. Um, they will use news releases, I think a lot more frequently and publish the information that is contained in a news release a lot more than let's say a New York times will, or a, a wall street journal is. And Recognize that the larger the target, the larger the media outlet, the more news releases they are getting every day, the more, more news releases each individual reporter and editor is getting every day. Um, and so I think news releases have increasingly less value the higher up the food chain you get, if that makes sense. Um, but they're asking specifically, they push this news, this press release out through a, a paid news service. What do they do next? Um, I would say you should be, you should be sending that news release to the individual reporters you want to be reporting on that because no, um, I'm going to use this phrase, but no reporter worth the ink that they're printing on is grabbing a news release off of a paid wire service and running it. They're just not, um, the, 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 the outlets that are going to move your needle, whether that is the New York times or wall street journal or your local fill in the blank daily newspaper. Um, no one's going to pull that off a paid wire service. Um, and I'm not trying to knock the, well, no, I am knocking the wire, paid wire services. I just don't think they have value. I don't think they have value. Um, and they, they charge people thousands of dollars. They charge by the word thousands of dollars, um, to push out a news release that basically here, here's what it does. It pops your news release to the top of Google news search for like 24 hours and then it drops out of sight and you never see it again. Um, it has, it doesn't have value. It doesn't have value relative to what you're paying for it. That's for sure. Uh, at least I don't think it does. And so I never recommend a paid news service to a client. Um, I just don't think it has value. Um, because if your information has value, that's going to be recognized by the individual reporters you're sending it to. Um, and I think there's tremendous value in, you know, any kind of um, subscription uh, media database um, where you can find the emails of the reporters, of the outlets, of the whoever's um, that you want to send this to, but you send it to them individually. You may send it to the main news inbox at that outlet, but you also want to go drill down to the individual reporter who's covering the, the beat who's covering the sector 
that you are working in, you know, you want to send it right to that person and say, hi, I know you write about this. Here's my, inf- here's the thing that I'm talking about today. Would you be interested in? Um, you've got to go line by line and you've really got to, you really got to put in the sweat equity um, and, and get that information to the reporters who are going to care about it. Um, and that is what we do as public relations people. We don't write releases and shove them through an email filter and go, well, done with that for today. Um, that's not who we are. And if you think that's who we are, you should find a different line of work. Um, that's not what we do. What we do is we provide value to our clients by identifying the story and matching it up with the outlet and the reporter who will be interested in it. That's how we create meaningful public relations impact. That's how we create multiple um, outlets that, create, that, that report on the stories that our clients want, want reported. Um, that's what representing a public relations client is, is, is matching it up. Uh, matching up the story with the outlet and the reporter and getting those meaningful placements. So you pushed your, your news release through a, through a paid service. That's terrific. You still have lots of work to do. All right, and question number five, I'm looking to leave my agency. Should I tell my clients? This is a, this is a really interesting one. Um, and we read, hey, everyone, I'm an account executive at a boutique agency in Texas looking to switch to political communication roles. I'm currently looking for a new job. I have one nonprofit client I've become particularly close with, a contact, a personal friend, on and on and on. Let's see. I also honestly have no idea how leaving an agency job should work and my boss does not know and I'm looking, eh, oh boy, oh, this is a mess. Uh, my plan would be to tell him I am leaving on a Zoom happy hour. Wow. Um, another general question would be how do I get over the guilt already leaving my client's team to, co- okay, but this is, okay. For, number one, this screams inexperience. <laughs> I haven't read the whole thing. We'll put the link <laughs> on Facebook. Um, this, this screams young person in an experience and look, that's okay. Um, you know, you're, you're inexperienced, you're young and you're inexperienced. It's fine. We all have to start, to start somewhere. Right. Um, my first reaction is I'm looking to leave my agency. Well, you haven't left yet. <laughs> so you're a little cart before the horse here. Um, you, you let people know of things that are happening uh, or that have happened. You don't, everything else is a dream. <laughs> everything else is in the future. Um, what if you let everybody know that I'm looking to leave the agency and then, oh, I don't leave. You look like an idiot, right? So that's the first thing I would do is, is wait to tell people until something has actually happened. Um, because you can't, and, and here's why, is because in giving someone some, the information, it's going to provoke them to have a reaction and it's going to, it's going to provoke them to say, so what do I do with this information? Um, if you're telling them of something that might happen, they go, uh, okay, tell me when it happens. You know, I, I can't make a decision based on your hopes and dreams, right? I have to run my business. I'm talking about the client, the client reaction. I have to run my business based on, um, what I know. And the only thing that I know based on what you're telling me is that you're thinking about flying the coop. So you know what? I should probably just find somebody else. That to me would be the worst case scenario, right? And I think that would very likely happen. Um, 
you know, you're telling someone that you're indecisive. You're telling someone that I'm thinking about leaving. I'm not so sure. I don't know. I mean, that's how that's going to come across. So no, you don't tell anybody until you've actually made the decision and taken the new job and then given them the scenario that you're going to be walking into. Because maybe, and, and you can read through this, you know, maybe you can continue to represent them. I don't know if there are conflicts or anything. We'll leave that aside. But the point being is that you want to tell them, hey, um, I'm transitioning to a new role. Um, I can't represent you anymore. You'll have to find someone else. Um, maybe out of allegiance, and I think you should, um, to, to your current employer, you should tell your current employer first because you don't want your employer to lose that, that client. I mean, that, that could be devastating. They're not, and by the way, they're not your client. They're your firm's client in this case. Um, you don't own them. Unless they're paying you directly and they're not paying any money to the firm that you work for, um, they're not your client. They're your firm's client. They're your agency's client. So you don't get to tell them before you tell your employer. Um, so so there, there's another, yeah, another huge red flag about you know, being very young and inexperienced, it seems here, um, is that they don't have a clear perspective on, on what's going down here. Um, that, that client pays money to that agency that you work for. Um, that agency likely still wants to retain that client. Um, so, so just, you know, hold back there a little bit. <laughs> You're getting a little too far ahead. Um, but I would say the, the main thing that you want to do here is you, you don't tell anybody what's going to happen until you can tell them what's going to happen and then, uh, give them the option, uh, or the, or the, uh, the case scenarios on, on you know, can, you can stay with me, you can stay with the agency. That's also a dangerous game to play. You know, you know you're going to pull this person away from the agency that you're working for. That can be very dangerous as well. Um, because the main thing you ever, never want to do is burn bridges. You know, life, life is cyclical. It all comes around. Now, look, there are some times where you have to cut ties with people. Uh, cutting ties is one thing. Burning bridges is something completely different. And if you do something that is unethical, if you do something that is going to leave a bad taste in someone's mouth, if you do something that is um, going to, to follow you around, um, you, your, your livelihood in this, uh, in this business is going to be very short. So do not, um, do not burn bridges. Also, just this concept of um, telling someone that you're going to leave on a Zoom happy hour Please, really? <laughs> That's completely unprofessional. Completely unprofessional, totally juvenile, um, and, and just ridiculous. And if, if that is your way um, of, of conducting business, um, you should probably find a different line of work. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The PR Podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher, J-O-D-Y-F-I-S-H-E-R on all the socials and online at JodyFisherPR.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast. Podcast.